friends, welcome to episode 166 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. Oh god, it feels so good to say that in person. I know. It sounds better. I can adjust the microphones. There are things we can do. And we can have tea. We can have tea. COVID, 0 of 10, would not recommend. Nope, don't do it. Just don't do it. Yep, yep. And then you can course, remove it from your game, do so. It's not necessary. <laughs> and then, of course, today I am just rocking the most blistering sinus headache. You know, we, it's better than COVID. It's better than COVID, though. It's better than COVID. Yeah. So, yeah. So. We take what our, we take our hits where we can get them and uh, walk away when we can. Mm-hmm. So. We have a 101. We do have a 101. Like, I hate to just try to get into things, but it, I feel like there's a lot here. Uh, and we have some good questions, and yeah. we always seem to run a little longer on the 101s, so I feel like it's necessary. Like, we should, we should just get to it. I mean, we don't really have any gaming news to share or anything like that. You not and yet. I really haven't gamed or anything like that. So. Mine's not until the end of the month, pretty much. Uh, so. One of our friends just got back from out of the country, yeah. so that's been kind of holding up both of our games. And uh, Yeah. It's kind of just made things a little quiet it's okay though honestly i, I need, think break. i needed a break real quick I well think. especially with you not feeling well so yeah not feeling well and uh moving into a new phase of my game anyways and i've mm-hmm. kind i've kind of like i've got all the puzzle pieces on the table and i know the picture they should make i just need to piece them together in a way that's cohesive and tells a story and i didn't mind taking a giant break from mine because literally up until yesterday I was struggling to create this adventure oh yeah and i mean hard struggling because my brain was like what the hell do I slap in the middle of this stuff? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of important for today's show. Yeah. But it it gave me – I had to flip my perspective a little bit to be able to get to the point that I needed to be to be able to come around and then say, okay, how can I populate this? Yeah. yeah. Um, and as much as I'd love to do a teardown on my process on that, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll hold this off for a Patreon or something. But Yeah, yeah. We'll get to those. So last time we, last month, when we were talking about 101, we were talking about adventures specifically. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about an adventure, we're talking about an extended section of the campaign. So not just one, uh, one of the sessions, but maybe multiple sessions, which has a beginning and an end. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it wraps itself up, you know, whether it's going into the dungeon and getting the thing and coming out or rescuing the person or retrieving the thing or hunting the person down, whatever that is, it has an end piece to it. You have a problem, you have a resolution, right. you have, yeah. Yeah. So, again, to break that down, you've got your plot, which is just a description of what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I, I liked your baseball descriptions. I'll let you yep. kind of continue those. A, a plot is like the scheduled baseball game. The Tigers will face the Yankees on Tuesday. Perfect. And then we have an adventure, which is how the things actually play out when the PCs get involved. Yep. And it's like, so it's, it's like the what actually happened at the game. The Tigers played the Yankees and the Yankees won. Yep. And all of the innings and all the crazy stuff that goes on in there. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we have a campaign, which is the series of the adventures. Right. And that's kind of like the whole baseball season. The Yankees won this time, but the Tigers will be back after they play the Twins. Yeah, the only difference here is is that we also may include like the bus breaking down one night. Sure. Or or running, you know, having playing at a little league stadium just for the fun of it with some kids sure. or spring training, whatever. So, the campaign includes adventures that are also uh, also beyond the plot but don't necessarily 
disclude the plot, if you will. Well, they they string the plot together into a cohesive, longer story. Right. Um, and it's it's sometimes referred to like in television as a meta plot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know where uh, like I was a big fan of Burn Notice, and Burn Notice uh followed this formula very well. Very well, very well. You had a season long meta plot mm-hmm. where you would you would delve into that just a little bit for like the first ten minutes. Yep. And then a client would come up and be like, but this episode, we're going to be doing some crazy stuff over here. Mm-hmm. And then you have that short little plot where of, of the thing that they're doing for the client. And then the last 15 minutes is them getting back to the meta plot. Yeah. And the meta plot strung across every episode of the season to a grand climax, whereas the main plot was just for the episode. Yeah. And I, I love that it... I, I love that Fringe basically, if you if you look at history mm-hmm. and you and you know TV series and episodic adventure series, Fringe and A Team were very similar. Hmm. The difference was in one case the group was running from the problem and the other one was trying to get back to the problem. <laughs> but both had clients, both had weird situations that yeah. re- revolved around them, but always had interjecting returns yep. of NPCs to remind you what the real plot was yep. at all times. Yep. And that kind of um that kind of adjustment and adaptation can often keep the story going and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today is it's like how do you Make it feel cohesive. How mm-hmm. do you pull it all together and have a story? What is that flow? Now, we're going to say it again. Go back to episode 99 if you need the meat. Like, if you want to go beyond meat and potatoes at the table. Yep. Episode 99 is called Narrative Flow. I know they're they're not numbered on some systems. No, but so. it's, yeah, it's, but uh, uh, you can go to our website and do the dig there uh, and, uh, and or just look up Narrative Flow and you'll find it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so when we're talking about campaign flow, so... You, if you have an adventure, you have scenes that build, your campaign should have that direction and purpose that drives. Because in the end, what you want is your characters to grow. Mm-hmm. So if I'm putting together a campaign, you're, I'm thinking about what I want my characters – how I want my characters to develop. Now, I'm not dictating that development. I'm not going to say I want them to become better people. That's not development. Development is up to them. But I'm going to put situations forth and and ask a question of how they're going to develop mm-hmm. and then let that be their growth pattern and have the story progress in that direction. I'm not there to write a novel. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people run into when they're uh, – and it's something I definitely ran into when I first started out was that you tend to novelize things. You think about, oh, I want this scene and this scene and this is the climactic visual that I have for the ending with and the this villain. this will happen like this. And, and that's not going to happen. Yeah, you need to understand that uh, no plot survives contact with your party. Yeah. Um, it will. They will always come up with something off the wall. They will always oh, yeah. approach it in a way that you do not foresee happening. And uh, we talked about it in, um, I want to say, one of the earlier 101s, talking about how essentially write, writing a novelization like that is like drawing an invisible line and then expecting your players to follow it mm-hmm. and then getting bent out of shape when they don't. Exactly, you know? exactly. Um, and it's best not to draw the line at all, but to just kind of know what's in what general direction. So if they head in that direction, you can, you'll be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we did talk about, you know, building obstacles rather than plot, you know, rather than, than uh, scenes. Um, and whatnot. And it kind of runs the same way on, on the campaign style, you know, you, you don't, you don't want to plan for scenes down the road. 
you want to more plan what the trajectory of things are and where it's going to head, and then let the let the the shenanigans along the path unfold organically. There may be individuals you want people to meet, or at a certain time you think it's important to interject certain characters. Like one of the things that um, I tend to do more so. <coughs> is I think about, okay, what information needs to be doled out and at what time? Yep. So I think of a type of character that needs to dole that information so that they can be either trusted or untrusted or uh, in some way represent the power of what that information is. Be it, you know, I need people to know that uh, that this, you know, uh, that this orb is being mismanaged, mm-hmm. right? So... I need to present that at some time by someone who's a magical authority and who, when he said, when they say it, is going to be fact. Mm-hmm. Regardless of if they're good, bad, indifferent, doesn't matter. You know, if they're cackling it off to the side saying, you'll never stop us now, we're going to use it for X nefarious reason. They're going to be like, oh crap, this guy would know. Okay, yeah, shit, yeah. shit, now we're in trouble. Or... A trusted person saying, you know, looking at them saying, this definitely tells me this. Okay, that's all I have to keep in the side of my head is that at this point in the story, they need to understand this step. I'm not going to paint out the exact scene that that's going to occur under, even necessarily the person. But it definitely helps to know the world to say, okay, now they're moving over here. How do I put that quote-unquote person in the right place Mm -hmm. to make that happen? And that can happen in any adventure. Yeah. Doesn't matter where it needs to be. And that's the kind of, if you have foresight, that's the level of foresight you want to put into it is saying like, it's important for me to, to explain what's going on in the world, how the, how the villain is progressing things or how the world is progressing. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's the flow where it starts interjecting different aspects of either world setting or villain, uh, doom clocking. Um, those types of things can be set in motion. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right, I think that that's 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 all kind of like next level stuff. Yeah, so we're gonna dial it back. Uh, so we're gonna dial it back a little bit. Um, all right, so let's get down to the basics. We're gonna bring it down a level. All stories are born from conflict. Yes. Okay. Something is wrong, and somebody needs to do something about it, and therein lies the story. Okay. Um, now it can be any sorts of conflict though okay it can be your traditional i know we we typically use like D centric you know examples on a lot of things mm-hmm. because D is a large a large portion of the, of the player base but mm-hmm. it's not it's not everything mm-hmm. um so you know it's good to think of conflict as basically just problems mm-hmm. um it can be your traditional big bad evil guy wants to do something horrible mm-hmm. uh and you have to have your traditional save the world plot doesn't mean that you can't be a bunch of travelers maybe in a colon- uh, colony ship and you're just set adrift looking for a new home. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, your space is the problem. Yeah. Like we're stuck in space. Mhm. We That's... need to find a habitable non-space place. Not really a big bad evil guy, but boy howdy does it try to kill you. It's amazing what survival games are doing these days. Uh, do you need to rescue the princess from the clutches of an evil dragon, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not a big bad evil guy, it's just a malevolent force and you need to do something good about it. Um or are you like a band of shadow runners just trying to survive the day to day in the sprawl? I'm broke. That's the problem. That's the problem. The, yeah. I'm, I'm broke and the corporations are screwing me over because yeah. they screw everyone over. Yeah. I'm broke and hungry. Let's do this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and let having that be the start position, the the moving position of of this is what is 
stringing things together? Is it the hunger, literally, the grumble in your stomach that says we're low on money? <laughs> what I do, what I have bullets. What I don't have tacos. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, f- to throw some things on a tailspin. What was that show about? Do you remember it? Uh, ducks with a plane. Yeah. And Baloo? Yeah. Baloo he was, was a pilot. It? Yeah. It, it, was, it was a cargo company. Yeah. They were poor. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. There's the show. There There's... were pirates that got in the way at times. Yeah. Oh, I remember now. Yeah. Man, Don Carnage. Show. That's such a good show. It really was. And But it, again, that kind of episodicness is the fact that the base of, a, of that show is, I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. We need food. Yeah. We have a plane that may or may not have enough fuel to do the thing we need to do. Yeah. There you go. There's, it doesn't have to be aggression. Exactly. But but what you have is you have a conflict. You mm-hmm. have a problem that needs solving, mm-hmm. and you have it has to be solved by your protagonists. And that drives the action. So what does the journey look like through those scenarios? What are they going to have? And this is – so, like, I tend to uh, look at this from different perspectives, um, but it's <sighs> – it's a matter of also catering to the type of people that you have. So if you have players, you know, I, I will say this. A lot of times when you're presenting a story, mm-hmm. you're presenting it in a very generic way. And we've talked about presenting your campaign in the Star Wars crawl. Two paragraphs, real simple. Here's the universe. Here's the situation. What do you guys want to do in this world? Yeah. In, in this situation. Uh, I'll be a princess. Okay. What are you going to be? I'm going to be a smuggler with a ship. Okay, what are you guys? We're androids. Great. And you? I'm a vapor farmer. But actually, secretly, I have the force. All right. I guess you took everything in dump stats and took force at 10? Sure, whatever. (laughs) You're a paladin. Got it. I put five points in blue milk. (laughs) Fair enough. But, like, pulling that together in a cohesive campaign is no different than a bunch of those people saying, "Uh, yeah, we're Imperial Guards for a princess. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, you're about to be boarded. Oh, yeah. crap. <laughs> like, how are we going to get out of this thing? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you guys? We're a bunch of Bothans. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. But that's the thing is, is that you you will have to shift your story from a vision that you may have thought was more than that paragraph, more than the, that you wanted to write about specific people and realize that they may want a social game. They may not necessarily want the prop. Uh, the the story to be all about combat. Yeah. On the other hand, you may have very combat focused people, and they may want lots of combat, and and it all to be super dangerous and 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 cunning and kind of things. Mm-hmm. You 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 have to be able to adapt those, and that's where your adventures can help push that. But the core of the story is still the core of the conflict. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's, how, it's basically just how that conflict gets 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 resolved. Then is the thing that can be that can be very variable. Yes. Um. All right. So campaigns should have a mission statement. I agree with that statement every time. That's good because you wrote it. I did. Uh, <laughs> um. So what are you trying to tell with the story? What sort of story are you trying to tell? Um. And let this mission statement kind of be your guiding star. You know, when you're lost for plot, when you're thinking to yourself like, oh, gee, I don't I don't know what happens next. Right. I don't know where I should go. I don't know what, t- you know, I, I think maybe we should throw some combat in, but I don't know what type of combat. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's good to look back at this mission statement and kind of say like, 
this is the thing that I'm trying to do with the story. And and the mission statement should not include the players. It should not include elements necessarily of the story. And it should be pretty simple. Yeah. One one sentence. Uh, mm-hmm. Royalty is power and power corrupts. Perfect example. Greed is bad. It will get you killed. Hope can be a guiding light in the darkness. Very simple stories. Cool. Yeah. And, and you can pretty much wind... Almost every major story down to a single line that is guided through the entire thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at each one of the Star Wars uh, Star Wars uh, series as individual stories. The, the title, although funny at times and not actually as accurate as we think it is, um, and some people say that the, the 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 titles are mismanaged. They should be in different orders because they don't necessarily follow the movie. But the Return of a Jedi. Okay, there we go. Mm-hmm. That that's pretty hope. Oh, a new hope. A Great. new hope. So there we go. What happened to the old one? Well, bad <laughs> penny boffins. Penny um, But that's the whole thing. Is it's it is designed to help you make. Let me put this. It's there for you when you look at your adventures. The thing then you need to do is take a step from that and say, "Can you ask the question, what if?" Mm-hmm. So, for instance. So I have this kind of guided story, and I have an idea that I want to do. Like, what if a tyrant took over this area? Okay, that's that's something that could happen. Sure. Okay. The question then remains is, what are ten things that could happen that fit within, you know, royalty is power and power corrupts, and the story is about a tyrant taking over an area? That has nothing to do with the players. Because, again, you have no idea what these characters are going to be. Mm-hmm. You you can put them in the situation, but you have no idea what they're going to be. So what ten things can fall can hang off of that? If you can't necessarily come up with ten, maybe you need to make an adjustment. Maybe it's too narrow. Mm-hmm. Maybe your idea has gotten too tight. It's it's a it's a cause and effect uh, uh, exercise. It's kind of like I described um, in a previous one on one about the five whys. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Um, and this is the kind of this is almost like the five what well, the ten what ifs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if a tyrant takes over an area, what happens? Uh, okay, does it destabilize the economy? Okay. Okay. Um, what would that look like? Uh, you'd, you'd probably have resource shortage. Merchants Guild might be jacking up prices on certain yep. things, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, cool. We'll move on from that. We can explore that Great. later. Perfect. Uh, Tyrant takes over an area. Um, that means that his enemies or, or his allies become stronger and the enemies of the crown uh, become weaker. Okay. Okay, so maybe you have a rebellion Ooh, I like that, that started against the tyrant. I like revolutions. Not everybody's going to agree with that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's a small revolution. Maybe it's a big revolution. I don't know. We'll Doesn't come matter. back to it later. But we're going to jot revolution down. Yep. You know? That's a great option. Um, like I said, his his allies, this tyrant's allies, would get stronger. So maybe there's an alliance forged with an, uh, typically an enemy kingdom that has mm. now become an ally. Perfect. And so now we have not only this tyrant to deal with, but influences from foreign agitators as well looking to fill in voids Mm -hmm. you know you also have opportunists people who are like 
oh, with this tyrant, all it takes is a little stroke of his ego, and I have a position. So now you have people trying to elevate themselves. Yeah. You have others who are rising to the call, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe they're standing on a lot of other people to get there. Shifts in power leave power vacuums, mm -hmm. uh, and oftentimes that means lawlessness. So yep. banditry might kick up in, in certain regions as the, uh, the, the power vacuum takes place. And the people who tend to have general control over that banditry may not, if they've fallen out of favor with said tyrant exactly so now you have the people who the previous administration kind of said you're doing a good enough job with now at odds with the new ones mm -hmm. so there's a lot of uh, power struggles and we, we've talked about power influencing we just t got over talking about that with uh, yep. dr jason uh and that that will be a leading line in a lot of things yeah yeah exactly and so there you go you you, you said one thing a tyrant takes over Mm -hmm. in, a, in a theme about about how royalty corrupts and, so, and power corrupts absolutely and we came up with what six seven ideas just off the top of our heads of like things that could be going on now are these plots maybe i mean they're, they're not really for fully formed plots but at least they're things that are happening mm -hmm. that will affect how the players interact with the world yep. the players may want to try to resolve some of these problems mm -hmm. they may just be stones in the shoes of these adventurers as they go about their day-to-day -day stuff who knows but there's stuff in your world and it only takes you seconds to think about like what if this happened what would ripple out from that so another example what if a commoner becomes next in line for the throne The reason where this comes into kind of flavor and why I do this is if you already said, I am the king, like one of the players becomes the king mm -hmm. by, you know, the whole sword in the stone type of thing. Now they're limited. That player is not going to be able to do a lot because as a king, they're going to have guards and vassals and generals. They're not going to be allowed out. Yeah. So it's going to pigeonhole them in what they can do. But if they're next in line to be the king, like they're a prince or a, a a duke of some kind, and it's clear that the throne is about to be vacated and there's a, a, a clear gap to them, now they have to prepare for it. Now there's a lot more available to them. Mm -hmm. And available to you as the storyteller to say different adventures. They have to make allies. They have to watch out for enemies. They have to make agreements. They have to feel what it what it's like to soon become the king, That that pull toward power. Yep. All sorts of different hooks you can do there. Yep. Um, the other, the other big thing is, and this is this is a delicate one. Have an ending in mind, hmm. and I'm going to put a giant asterisk in front of that. Agreed. Because there's a way to have an ending in mind, and there's a way not to have an ending in mind. Um, so what you don't want to do is don't write your ending. With a capital W. Okay, nope. don't sit down and say the players are going are gonna to get the MacGuffin, and then the players are going to find the villain, and then they're going to fight him, and then they're going to win, and everybody's going to be happy at the end. Yep. Like, that's not... That's taking away a lot of the players' agency and stuff like that. And I guarantee, like I said, no plot survives contact with your players. Mm -hmm. It will not happen like that. Nope. Maybe they don't get the MacGuffin. Maybe they get the MacGuffin, but they sell it to a merchant because they don't realize what it is. You know, lots of things can happen on the way there before it comes to players will get the MacGuffin and they will confront the villain with it. A, a great example of that is 
So our guys are going to take they're, they're going to find this MacGuffin mm-hmm. and they're going to destroy it. They're going to finally make it to the end. They're going to get it to the destruction thing. They're going to get <laughs> rid of it. And one of the this? players goes, no. no. Throw I'm it gonna... in. Throw it into the lava. And then that player just happens to get ganked by the next group of orcs because it happens. And now it's lost. Yep. So the next gaming group who comes along. <laughs> get some giant eagles, right? And... <laughs> Exactly. Um, all right. So we, that's what that's what not to do. Um, so what do you do? You want to have an end goal in mind for the campaign's resolution. Whether okay. it's your big bad evil guy who just like wants to launch the missile. Yeah. Think I, the way I would think of it is think of it's a little more like a road trip. Yeah. Okay? I think it's a great. I know way we're going to end up in Cleveland. <sighs> I don't know how we're going to get there. Are we going to take surface streets? Are we going to take I seventy five to uh, to I ninety? I don't know. But there's a lot of different roads that can get us to Cleveland, and the adventure is the thing that happens along the way. Yep. But we're going to be heading in that direction. Mm-hmm. And if they try to stray too far off the path, certain roads might be closed that put them back on the freeway. Mm-hmm. Um, the kindly old man who uh, gives them directions will point them towards Cleveland. You know, things like that to not railroad, but nudge in a direction. You have so to the, get twenty five thousand dollars to Cleveland to pay the taxes for the orphanage. Yeah, sure. Good luck. Sure. <laughs> um, but one way or another, you're you know that that's kind of how how your campaign flow towards an ending goes. You're mm-hmm. not again. You're not saying we're going to show up in Cleveland at exactly you know mm-hmm. blah blah blah, and we're going to take this road to get there. You don't know any of that. Yep. But you can point him in a direction and you can guide him there. And one of the big ways you do that is with your your antagonist. Mm-hmm. I want to say big bad evil guy, but not every campaign has a big bad evil guy. Or needs one. Or needs one. Um, so, uh, you know, for instance, kind of going back to our old examples, the party is either going to thwart the big bad evil guy, or they will, or the, the 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 big bad evil guy will succeed in their master plan and bring ruin. Sometimes that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, your colony ship will eventually find a new homeworld, or you're going to succumb to the harshness of space. Yes, that, um, that is true. That is true. You will rescue the princess and defeat the dragon, or you're going to be slain trying. And there'll be another one after you. And there'll be another one afterwards. Um, your shadow runners may untangle the corporate plot and thwart their machinations, or they're killed and captured in a merciless by the merciless megacorp, or become very famous rockers, or become very famous rockers. That happens. But the idea is, is that it's the it's a guiding star. It's a, it's it's not the train approaching the group on the rails mm-hmm. because they'll just step to the side. Yeah. But it is out there. It is on the way. Um, and so you want it to be your guiding star that's kind of pointing you in a direction. Um, and it's okay to have some fun side stuff happening, like not. You know, on on your on your road to the ending, it's okay to stop at a diner and have a you know, or, or have a beach episode along the way, or right. whatever. I'm with you. Um, that's perfectly fine, but I would say try not to make too many random side jaunts and side quests and stuff of like that. Otherwise, you will find that your players get very distracted and uh, lose sight of what the big goal is. Yeah. Of, of your, of your campaign. You know, they're gonna forget that the big bad evil guy's out there because they're too busy concentrating on finding some, you know, random farmer's lost cows because you decided that was a fun side quest, you know? Truth, truth. Unless... Too, too many of those things can distract. Yeah, and... At a certain point, you will feel like you need to steal the toys from them because they've been playing with them for too long. Mm-hmm. 
maybe they just want to play with the toys instead of doing the thing. And that we've talked about that. Sidestepping your plot and, and moving in another direction. Yep. But that is for another day. The real question is, is okay, so now that we know this, now that we know that we have to have this mission statement, mm-hmm. we have to understand what the what-ifs are available, what do we actually write and from what point of view? I mean, do we write a heroic story for our players to be dashed through? For me, mm-hmm. uh, I mostly write from my antagonist's point of view. It's a very good way to write. Because the antagonist is going to be the force in the story that is handing all of the complications uh, to the uh, to the players. Okay. Um, and so it's really kind of about what your antagonist wants, isn't it? I definitely would agree with that. Um, so, like, if your antagonist is the big bad evil guy, whether it's the big bad evil guy, the harshness of space, the evil Cthulhu worshipping uh, cult, whatever, it's the force driving the conflict, usually. Mm-hmm. Okay. So thinking about what their plans are or what complications they'll offer in the case of like a non-sentient, you know, the, the vastness of space is the antagonist, you mm-hmm. know, um, the, the vastness of space doesn't want anything, but it also provides nothing. It cares not for you. Correct. You know, um, and that in itself is kind of a motivation. You know what the vastness of space will do. Nothing. It will not nurture you. Mm-mm. So you survive or you don't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but you think about what the antagonist plans are, um, and, you know, keep it relatively simple, I would say. Yeah. This doesn't need to be a huge, complicated machination of wheels within wheels, Game of Thrones style thing that goes on for years upon years. Shut up. Um, <laughs> I'm speaking to my strengths, not against, <laughs> not against yours. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so, like, okay, relatively simple example. Big bad evil guy wants to become a god. Okay. Because That's... he seeks power for personal reasons. I don't know. Maybe he's got some damage. He's got some PTSD he's trying to get over. Daddy issues? Daddy issues. Who knows? Yep. People seek power for all sorts of different things. Okay. Usually it's because they, they want to be the lead dog and they don't want anybody else to be the lead dog. That's fair. Okay. That's fair. You can come up with whatever you want. Okay. But the main thing here is Big Bad Evil Guy wants to become a god. Mm-hmm. To do this, he needs to find a magical artifact. Mm-hmm. Some sort of MacGuffin. All right? Fair. Um, the party is going to want to stop him. Because he uses his current power for evil, and if he becomes a god, he's going to be a godlike jerk instead of a human jerk. Mm-hmm. Follow? Totally. All right. So, um, start with a plot showing how evil he is. Something the, something heinous. Yeah. The players need to understand that. Um, maybe it's not something as overt as kicking a, pe- or kicking a puppy or something like that, but, you know, give him a puppy to kick. Uh, g- give him a reason to distrust and fear him. But maybe not put him in direct conflict with him because you want this guy to be a villain. You don't want them to, like, decide to just murder him, you know, outright. Have him send minions. Have his evils be political evils, not I killed your parents in front of you evils, you know? Don't expose him to the party because you don't want them to just decide to kill him. Um, But you need them to understand that this is an evil guy. Mm -hmm. Then... You run some plots, some adventures, where the big bad evil guy discovers the MacGuffin that will make him a god. Mm-hmm. Uh, give the players an opportunity to meddle with his plot. Maybe stop him from succeeding. Think about who helps him. Who else wants to stop him other than the players? Where's the artifact hidden uh, away? And why hasn't it been found before? Mm-hmm. How did the big bad evil guy learn of it himself? Okay. All of these questions are great little what ifs, like we were talking about earlier. 
Right. And when you're talking about, like, rises, because mm-hmm. at these points, each one of these stages, as you get deeper and deeper into what the villain knows and what they can do about it, mm-hmm. stages things up a level so that you get that heightened sense of you're coming to that rise. Escalation is exactly. the word you're looking for. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the, this can happen a lot of different ways. I mean, we've we've got the plot. We've kind of got the ending um, in, in that we know he's going to try to ascend to godhood. Um, but again, we don't we don't know what's going to happen. So we haven't written it. We just know where we're headed. Uh, the party can stop him from ascending. Uh, the third act can happen where they now need to kill or contain a malevolent god if he succeeds. Uh, the stakes are raised, though, and that can be an exciting con- climax. Um, do the characters need to become gods themselves to fight him? Are there other powerful artifacts that could help thwart the gods? You know, like, uh, if you're a Critical Role fan, you know, are there uh, uh, vestiges of uh, divergence? Yeah. You know, um, who's going to help them? Who's mm-hmm. going to stand in their way? Who's just going to stand to the side? Yeah, Who's going to exactly. need convincing? Exactly. So all these things, you know, and all, all that is just, you know, written from the from the thesis statement of big bad evil guy wants to become a god. Yeah. And you've got that entire plot arc there. I could run that for 50 game sessions yeah. easily. And God, all of that is about a power struggle. Someone mm-hmm. wanting to become powerful. It doesn't matter where that's happening. That can happen in smaller scales. Yeah. I always come back to the school, the classroom. There's a principal mm-hmm. wants to remain in power. Maybe wants to be the superintendent. What is he going to do about that? Again, all of those same inquiries that you just added up all fit within a school setting, a simple high school setting. Teachers, PTA, uh, external uh, profiteers of corporations who are helping things out. You know, the community, the police. I'm the superintendent. How can you kill the superintendent? What a grand and intoxicating innocence. <laughs> he, he oh, I love it. Effectively do no wrong. I love it. Yep. I love it. It's 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 funny to say it, but you can always power scale. Mhm. Use you, you will you will inevitably think about things in a grander sense, but there is no reason why you can't scale a plot back to something simpler. Sure. Does not all have to be doom and gloom, save the world stuff. Sometimes it's literally just make it through the school year. Yeah. And one of my favorite kind of campaign plots that string together are the ones that the players create. Mm-hmm. You have a session zero, and during that session zero, they wrong someone. And that person takes it personally. Did you session zero or the first... First action. First, yeah, the, yeah. The, the the milk run. The milk run. Okay, we'll say yeah. the we'll say the point five. The milk run. If you need one of those, and they just do something stupid during the milk run, mm-hmm. and now that thing in the milk run is following becomes them. a pebble in their shoe, right? Yep. And slowly grows bigger. Yep. Until they recognize that it's there, and now is it too late? <laughs> uh, you had a thing in here about uh, rewriting existing stories to tabletop RPG campaigns that I thought was really brilliant. Yeah, so if you I'm I'm going to I'm going to tell you a story. The expert way to steal um steal things for your game. Yeah, is, and you should. And, and you, you should, should totally do this. You should 100%. totally. 100%. So I'm going to say this one and we'll see what com- what comes off of this. Uh which is funny cuz I I I've, I've got we've got Sean in the room right now and and I'm going to say this and I'm going to see what Sean thinks this is. So a tyrant is sending in troops to clear out all the mages, wizards and magic folk in an area so it's easier to take over that area. A, the group lives there. They all have magical abilities of some kind and would rather not move. 
The tyrant is easy to bargain with and offers to leave the area as it is if they are willing to retrieve a MacGuffin for him. Truth be told, MacGuffin actually makes him the lawful king. What story is this? Well, that's the point. Okay, it's a generality. He said he doesn't know in case you didn't hear. Yeah, it's a generality. He didn't know what it was. But oh. really, it is the journey is the whole idea behind this. Mm-hmm. I'm not... My thought behind the thesis statement, kind of how this is the characters discovered that the magic were their friends that they made along the way. Mm-hmm. That's that's my thesis of this whole thing. I'm not worried about the, the grandness of the story. The truth be told, this could be Robin Hood. This could be Shrek. Yeah. This could be a lot of stories because it comes down to how the players interact with the situation, how their characters motivate and move things. Do they become bandits of the forest? Mm-hmm. And just mess with the Duke or, or, or this, this Viscount until, you know, till they can take control of it, you know, of the situation. Or do they go and handle the situation immediately before it gets out of hand? Yeah. And not care necessarily except for their own little piece of the pie. And they're like, do I get what we want back? Yes. Okay, fine. I don't care about the rest of it. Mm-hmm. I just want my crap back. What do I have to do? Yep. You know, kind of a thing. It's so easy to make a campaign just by grabbing your favorite movie, filing off the serial number so it becomes a completely unrecognizable, and then just telling the root problem of that story. Exactly. seeing how it plans. Exactly. And usually you're not going to get – I mean, you're, you're almost never going to get an exact replication of that story. So the thing is your players aren't going to look at you in session 27 and go, wait a minute. Is this Die Hard? Maybe it is, you know, but yep. chances are they have made very different, uh, very different choices than John McClane has. Correct. Yep. Yeah, Sean, Sean is saying he's used song lyrics before that have done that. One hundred percent, I agree. Um, and, but, you know, no, no one's ever stopped in your game and gone, "Wait a minute, is this Schism by Tool?" <laughs> you know? But again, at the same time, it's a matter of. Uh, I, I like, in this particular example, grabbing existing stories, existing content, looking at the very opening premise. D- again, Star Wars, mm-hmm. A New Hope. It's very simple. Large force is trying to take over an area that's ar- that has a rebel force attempting to fight it. And the uh, the plans of what's going on is, is being transferred. Uh, and it's the only hope that they have of ending this current position. They're not going to be able to end the entire empire, but they're going to be able to stop its advancement mm-hmm. in an area. The blueprints for their impenetrable fortress are Correct. in their hands. Yeah. Sure. Or, 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 or of a super weapon or of something. Sure. Right? That is not necessarily just Star Wars. Mm-hmm. That is so many stories that are wrapped up behind that. Three Musketeers. Yeah. Is that story. Yeah. In a different light. So, Steel. These ideas are not original by any means. It's just the setting and how your characters are going to interact with that setting that are going to shift. And you're going to have to shift your mind frame. Because obviously the ending of Three Musketeers is not the ending of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Nor is the ending of Shrek the same as the ending of Robin Hood. Exactly. But you all start out in very similar ways. Exceptional. Exceptional. But you tell very different different tonal stories. Um, so movement through. So, yeah, movement. Um so there's there's a common um there's a common urge to for everything to be go 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 everything's on fire must save the world uh, always if, all if if you don't uh act immediately the big bad evil guy will destroy everything go 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 and uh personally i find that exhausting um so not everything has to be urgent uh even when the end of the world is nigh 
there are probably going to be times when, like, the big bad evil guy or whatever is trying to end the world is just biding their time and nothing important is happening. Um, maybe they need to wait for the solstice. Maybe they haven't found the MacGuffin they're looking for, and so they're just kind of laying low. Yeah. You know, whatever. There's there's a there's a, a a bunch of different things that can be happening that can offer literally months of downtime. Uh, one of my favorite things that came up uh, out of that concept was uh, someone saying that if it was just a person doing everything themselves. They could get things done. But mm-hmm. even they get lazy, sick, have trouble and things like that. The moment that you put two other people working for them, you've now just increased the laziness factor by fourfold. Yeah. Someone's going to look at them and say, it's my day off. It reminds me of Mark Twain. God created the idiot for practice and then he created the school board. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's, it's a good way of saying or, it. Or, or, or conversely, a camel is a horse designed by a committee. Yeah. yeah. And we won't even talk about platypus. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, exactly. Um, the more people you add in, the more moving parts you add in, the longer things are just going to take. So if your big bad evil guy is trying to run a vast conspiracy involving thousands of people, I guarantee they're not getting it done tomorrow. Definitely not. Definitely uh, so not. all this is to say, give your players some time to just have agency and control and pursue their own goals. This is an ebb and flow approach that I like to use. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you do some plot. Where, you know, things are urgent, the, the, the characters must act, they must react to things that are happening in the world, that are acting upon them, that are acting upon others who need them. Yes. But then when that's done, like, chill out for a second. Let the players go like, okay, I've been wanting to craft a magical artifact, or mm-hmm. I've been wanting to purchase some new drones for, mm-hmm. you know, for, for my, for my character or mm-hmm. whatever. I want to learn something. Yeah. I, I want to take some time to study this alien language we picked up along the way so I can right. talk with the, these aliens that are out here in this, in this, this region of space for, you know. Some game systems lean into it hard. Yeah. You know, uh, we, we have our, our, our mouse guard that we've talked about. Uh, the one ring really leans into that. The idea of the return. It is, it is not necessarily returning to base, but it's a return to self. Yeah. Every day can't be a sweating slog, you know, hack 'em up fest or social, you know, socialite fest or whatever. Sure. It has to, it can't all be about obstacles. Exactly. If you're out there rescuing the princess, you're not living life for you. You're living life for the princess. Right. Right? So when do you get to take care of you? When mm-hmm. do you get to take care of your own things? And this can be as little stuff as like, downtime mm-hmm. you know um taking care of little things like you know going and visiting npcs or trying to craft a magic item or like mm-hmm. you know like i said doing doing some shopping and whatnot or it can be as complicated as i picked up this magical artifact called the beacon of meridia oh lord and she has summoned me to her shrine that is halfway across cyrodiil we should go see what this is all about and it becomes a personal plot now, there was some urgency once you guys got there, mm-hmm. but you initiated that. Mm-hmm. You had the downtime to say, okay, nothing's going on. We handled the bandit threat. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is trying to kick in our doors right now. Let's go out here and see what, what this thing's beckoning, beckoning me to do. Right, right, right. And there you no. go. Uh-huh. And you have time for personal plots. And yep. then, now we're done with that. Mm-hmm. Now... I'm going to start pushing against you with external plot again. And then after after we do that for a little while, we're going to back off. 
And if players have their own, you know, their own agency that they want to pursue, be it small downtime things, or I want to partake on a quest to go do X, Y, or Z, now we've got that time to do it. Excellent. Yes, exactly, exactly. <coughs> and it doesn't mean that you can't put things back on and have the doom clock tick. Sure. Um, hard moves tend to do this really well, especially when you have settings where the world around them is reacting and then they're reacting to those moments. So, yeah, maybe they just finished, you know, a big shopping and build-up extravaganza and somebody, you know, had a great connection with their god or, you know, somebody else maybe got married. And then right at the end, you know, everyone's, you know, celebrating whatever and the windows are, are get blown wide open. And as everything billows, a red cloud forms over the mountain in the distance as, as a beacon of, you know, deep red light fills the sky. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, no, that Uh-oh. can't be good. It's back on. That's right. <laughs> it's back on. Back to adventure, everybody. Yep, exactly. We had our downtime. Uh, and then my last piece of advice here is the revolving NPC mill. God, yes. Uh, and this is one of my favorite things to do. Um, it, every NPC you write as a, is a character that lives in your world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so as you are populating your world, as your plot moves forward, there is an instinct to say, okay, that, that shopkeeper or that guard or that soldier or whatever, or even, even like humanoid enemies you might fight. Yeah. Um, to, to kind of discard them. And be like, okay, well, we're not in that scene anymore, so they're done. Mm-hmm. Put them back in your bucket. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're still characters, unless they are dead, and sometimes if they're not, depending on your world. Mm-hmm. Um, they have their own goals, they have their own interests, and they should have their own growth and stuff like that. Okay. When you need an NPC for a certain plot, look back at NPCs you've actually already introduced and see if one of those will fit the story. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, first off, this reintroduces characters that they already know. Uh, they already have some sort of relationship with. There's yes. already baggage there. Um, saves time on building that investment with the NPC. Mm-hmm. Because sure. they already have an opinion about this person. Because yeah. they've met them before. Even if just in passing, it's just like, oh, yeah, they were nice. Mm-hmm. Cool, but they've already got that opinion. You know, they don't mm-hmm. have to figure them all out again. Um, and it makes your world feel more lived in that right. way. Because this person has come back around. They're still there, mm-hmm. you know, They mm-hmm. because they live there. They work there, whatever. Right. Uh, maybe they're on a journey. You're going to run into them on the road, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, hey, I'm surprised not seeing you in, you know, such and such a town. What are you doing? Oh, well, I picked up and moved business after you guys bought all that stuff from me. I had enough, uh, you know, uh, money to upgrade my shop, so I moved over here instead. Mm-hmm. Boom. Recurring character. Yep. You know. Um, and these NPCs are going to have their own plot arcs as well. Okay, so like I was just saying, like, um, you know, characters will be affected by the plot. Mm-hmm. They will grow and change along with the, the events of, the, of, of your story. So, like, um, watching a young woman join the guard. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. She got a job. Nice. Happy for her. We barely know her. Two plots later, um, they're leading the charge against the monster that's attacking the city. And you're like, hey, isn't that... That woman that we helped join the guard, we, mm-hmm. we helped get her this job. Like, look at her leading the charge. Mm-hmm. She's come a long way. We're really proud of her. And you wouldn't have that reaction if it was just some random NPC, you know? Right. And then handful of plots later, you find her in a tavern somewhere nursing a pint. And she's a destitute veteran. 
uh, fighting her PTSD, having mm-hmm. lost her comrades in that monster attack. Yeah, you know? couldn't go back and pick up the sword again. And, I mean, that would be sad, but it's more sad because it's that girl that you helped get the job in the guard. Right. You know. And what information does she have now for the group? Sure. You know? Sure. What truths does she know? But it's going to have all the more weight because you've got that investment behind her. Mm-hmm. Um, could It could be anyone. Yeah. So uh, a, a small lesson here that uh, that Sarah teaches me every time she runs a game is don't lock your NPCs up. Uh-huh. Don't lock them behind counters. Don't lock them behind time. Don't lock them behind things. Give them the ability to move and grow. Mm-hmm. And you can use them again and again, and your players will appreciate it. I haven't really done it since 7C, and I need to get back to it. Yeah, yeah. And keep in mind, too, that, like, um, alliances shift. Mm-hmm. Things that you, you – know, NPCs you wrote as as uh, antagonists might become allies. Mm-hmm. Allies might become antagonists. Or obstacles, at the very or least. Or obstacles, yeah. Um, sometimes, like, you know, the the, the – the party line shifts. What one of my favorite you things know? is the is the uh, captain of the guard that you get to know well, and then you do something illegal, and he comes out in the street like as at, just after it happens, it's just and you're like, oh god, we've been caught, and he just looks at you and goes, "I'll give you a head start." Yep. It takes a minute for me to to load my firearm, and he turns around, and you're like. Oh, this is the time where we go. Because <laughs> when because yep. you know that the pistol is not going to be shot at you, uh-huh. but it is going to alert everyone else to yep. that area. Yep, yep. And I uh, I did this to you guys with um, uh, a couple NPCs in in my game. Uh, you it, there was a random bandit mm-hmm. that you guys uh, decided not to kill in a bandit encounter, yes. and you took him captive. You tortured him for information. We did. You broke his fingers and such like that. We did. And then you basically slapped him on the ass and told him to to ride east and until he back. until he got to Morrowind <laughs> and don't and don't come back. Um, and he came back. And he came back. He uh, he made it as far as the next town over and decided that was far enough. And he got a job at the Fighters Guild and tried to turn his life around to make something mm-hmm. of himself. And he didn't figure he'd ever see you guys again. Yeah. Um, but I needed. And well, I'll tell you what that what that was. I needed a couple Fighters Guild people. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yep. I could have just written some random Fighters Guild people that you'd never met before and yep. you would never see again. But I thought, wouldn't it be great? Mm-hmm. What if? What if? Yeah. What if these were people you already knew? Not only the dude you tortured, mm-hmm. who's going to sit across the table from you and go, yeah, I've got a job now. I'm gainfully employed. I got out of the banditry gig. And you jerks broke my fingers. Mm-hmm. I hate you. Mm-hmm. And then the guy sitting next to them is one of your former colleagues that you got in a, got in a fight with who left for Greener Pastures. And Greener Pastures happened to be that tavern you washed up in, yep. you know. Exactly. And so instead of having two random Fighters Guild dudes that you'd never met before, wouldn't care about and wouldn't care about afterwards, I now have two people staring across from you at a table that you have very strong emotions about. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, all about motivations. So we do have some questions. Mm-hmm. I'd like to get to those. I think they're great. Uh, Nevum uh, was able to shoot us some questions. We're hoping for some more, but, uh, you know, times yeah. are what they are. Nevum always asks great questions. But so. it's always great. So let's start with this first one. How uh, how to incorporate already written adventures, not written by ourselves, into a homemade campaign? Well, uh, scrub off the serial numbers. That's my first thing. 
Like, literally, it doesn't matter where it is. Find the meat and potatoes of that adventure. Mm -hmm. All of them will have a basics. That is, the base is very simple. And I honestly wish that adventurers had written their thesis statements at the top. Like, here's my mission statement. Here's the blurb. And yeah. if you if if every adventure started with that, you could literally plug an adventure into anything. But scrub the serial numbers off, see what the meat and potatoes of that adventure really is. Yeah. And it can literally fit anything. I could grab D&D &D adventures and put them into a, a sci-fi game sure. without a problem. Sure. Because it's it's irrelevant that the adventure is about you know, that this particular predefined adventure is about going to a dangerous place and uh, – or getting stuck in a dangerous place and trying to figure out the proper way out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the yeah, that's the story. It doesn't matter that it's a vampiric undead area with a vampire lord who's running everything. Yeah, exactly. You pick up Ghosts of Saltmarsh and it doesn't matter that it's Saltmarsh. It can be whatever place fits in your setting, you right. know? The specifics of, of the MacGuffin in it is probably the most significant point. But really what it comes down to is just scrubbing things off until you get to the very meat of the story and yeah. then deciding how much you want to lean into that. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Plug your own NPCs into it as uh -huh. well. Because there's going to be a bar. There's going to, you know, there's there's going to be the aforementioned theme bar, which is going to be there to present information or a a minor conflict. There's going to be scenes where there there's going to be some kind of a rise where you have people either attacking the group or the group running into them, you know, and and a situation arising from that. It, it doesn't matter what that is. It's about the information that comes out of it. Yeah. What do they learn? Yeah. From that that incident, that inciting incident. What does that lead them to? Seriously, it could be anything. It could be asteroids in space as much as it is a salt marsh. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. Uh, no, I have nothing to add. File the serial numbers off and go from there. Yeah. Uh, all right, next question is, uh, do all adventures have to move the plot forward in a campaign? No. And the only reason why I say that is that some adventures within a story are for players. Yes. If you if you have a player who is uh who is uh has shown interest in advancing themselves and growing, having some level of development, there's nothing that says that your adventure has to meet with plot standards of the campaign. Yeah. As long as it sits within the framework and the feel I, I think it works. And there's nothing to say that you can't just have an adventure that goes off the rails into something fun if that's what's needed. For instance, um, you've got a very dark campaign where the characters are, are constantly going into a dark realm to get resources to be able to handle closing off of the dark realm because it constantly, Walmart? yes, constantly spits out terrible things, right? Why not give them a vacation moment? Yeah. It worked in Avatar. <laughs> beach episode, yeah. Exactly. And even the beach episode had conflict. Yeah. Had resolution because there was character growth involved, but it was still fun. Yeah. It was something different. I, I think the answer I want to give here, very, very much like yours, is that uh, do all adventures have to move the plot forward? No, but they should advance something. All have some level of development. In exactly. Some Someone should walk away changed. They should walk mm -hmm. away having grown in some way. Not just by XP. Not just by XP, but like they should have learned a lesson or advanced a personal agenda. Changed a goal. Changed a goal. Um, found out that the thing they were looking for wasn't all that. 
Yeah, perception and, and changes. Walked, walked out with walked out with less disillusionment. Yep. You know. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you can get away with doing two at the same time. It's not always the same. Sure. But you sure. never know. You, you get lucky sometimes. Uh, but yeah, no, not everything has to move the plot forward. But I, I, I say like it, it should be on topic. Mm-hmm. You know, if it if it doesn't have to do with your plot, it should have to do with one of your characters. Or or yeah, it should definitely do. And still sit within your world framework. Yeah. Don't go yeah. crazy. I I would I would avoid the the side quest trap. Yes. Of like uh random farmer Bob says he wants you to find his cows. Did the big bad evil guy steal his cl- cows? No, they're just gone. He's just a random farmer. You've never met him before. You'll never meet him again. Go find his cows. It doesn't really have anything to do with anything. No, no. players are really going to grow by 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 completing that. It's really just kind of a distraction. Sometimes you need that. Like if you're if you like don't. Like legitimately don't have anything planned for your session, and you're you're blanking, and you just want to run some random stuff to fill in the game so that you guys can play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would really avoid it unless you have to. Yeah, and, and in all honesty, take a hard look at your players, and you will find something that they're going to want to do. Oh yeah, as a side thing. Yeah, and and you know I, I kind of come back to this like ask your players ask. what they want. Meta ask. Literally just ask, straight up ask your players what they want what they want. What sort of story are you trying to tell with this character? Where do you see this character going? Yeah. What does the ending of your story look like in your in your mind? Mhm. Mhm. Not necessarily with this campaign like what is the character's end? Yeah. Or cuz you may not you're not going to reach it necessarily <coughs> in this campaign either. Sure. But it's going to be a step in that direction. Mhm. So and and even if they don't give you an answer, they at least get some thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they'll have an answer for you later. Yeah. So next month's 101, we are talking about populating your world, which is putting stuff in it yeah. that, that isn't just plot. How do you make your world feel alive? Yeah. That's always tricky. It's a little tricky. And it can sometimes feel a little daunting at scale. But our next show... Is a system spotlight. Yep. And Sarah asked me to do 7C Second Edition. Sarah, why did you ask me to do 7C Second Edition? See, I got thinking about this ship of Theseus concept, right? Yeah. About how changes to editions sometimes are too big, too broad, and that's and the system is rejected broadly by its fan base. And uh, kind of wanted to do a system that we didn't like. Yeah. And- and how I feel about it at this moment in time and giving it a second look and basically really taking a deep dive on it. Yeah. The part that gets me is I can't wait till you tear the mechanics apart. I mean, sure. It's going to be – you're going to look at it and you're going to you're gonna have your fun with it. And, <laughs> and I think it will be good because you have you, – you've distanced yourself enough from 7C First Edition. Yep. All right. You can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And uh, join us up on our Discord. Uh, we'd love to have you join the discussion, shoot us some show questions and whatnot, talk with the other great storytellers that are up there, uh, bounce your ideas off them. You can find that link on our Twitter as well as our website, StorytellerConclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members who help us out every month, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Subjet, Sam, The Arcane Asylum, uh, Sparkle Motion Veteran, and Hulavu. We really appreciate all your support. Our pre-show music by, is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at Patreon.com slash Arcane Anthems. 
And our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, Only Our Footprints of the Sand, is by Midair Machine. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org. A big shout out as always are, uh, to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for loving thank us. Thank, thank you, Sean, for being in the studio with Yay. us tonight. All of our friends who sat with us at our tables to give these great stories to share with you and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you so much. Love you. Good night. Good night.